Well, happy Sunday, folks. Welcome to another edition of Stone Chiseler Sunday, where we will be listening to Chapter 8 of the Stone Chiseler, To Whom Does the Stone Belong? Each and every one of us are going to be faced with challenges or stones in front of us in our life. And at some point, we have to determine whose life are we sculpting? And are we, in fact, sculpting life, or are we just being chiseled by life aimlessly? We all have to make a conscious decision to realize that obstacles are no more than opportunities to shape our life. We can find purpose in those moments. When faced with that proverbial boulder to push up a hill, is it happening to us or are we going to happen to it? Well, that's the question that Giovanni has to wrestle with at this point. He has to decide this large boulder that he's been tethered to, is he going to just beat upon it and, or is he going to sculpt it into his making? Is he going to determine in his mind and in his heart and in his soul that that boulder, while he might not have chosen it, he's going to take it for his own and he's going to sculpt it into what he wants to because by sculpting that boulder, he will also sculpt his character and who he is as a young man. So I hope you enjoy this chapter of The Stone Chiseler and ask yourself, as it relates to your life, to whom does the stone belong? Enjoy. Chapter 8. To Whom Does the Stone Belong? That day the man sat at the edge of the stone yards with a pen and pad, making notes and sketches. He had been surveying the yard for some time and trying to make calculations. He wanted to know what the difference was from one chiseler to the next. He had no predisposed use for this knowledge. He was merely curious. However, with the young chiseler he had met previously, he was fully intrigued. Each chiseler's work seemed to mimic that of another with minimal variance. There was no shape or form to their stones. It was just a random set of indentions all over. The futility of their work was evident. He knew he needed to begin the work that brought him to Florence, but he suffered from an insatiable curiosity. In fact, it was such a preoccupation that it had nearly cost him all credibility more than once. There always seemed to be an angry patron impatiently awaiting their latest work for which he had been retained. Many of them had already invested a considerable sum to retain the artist. He couldn't help himself. If someone caught his curiosity, he had to know right away why the thing in question did what it did. The entire world around him teased him constantly with its mysteries. It might be argued the same curiosity brought him to the stone yards. His curiosity with the boy in the stone yard would not relent. He noticed the boy's indentions to be somewhat different. They made small formations. They weren't anything noticeable to the naked eye, but from afar one could make out their uniformity. They were indeed something. Good morning, young man. How does today find you? The boy sighed a deep breath as if to say, Oh, you again. I was wondering, the old man continued, Would you mind if I studied your work? You see, I am working on a very important commission for one of the local merchants. And I think I can learn from you. The boy had a perplexed look on his face. How could the man learn anything from his beating aimlessly on a piece of stone? 
I do, however, have a small request. Would you be willing to allow me to help you with your work? I am an artist by trade, among many other things. I've never sculpted stone, however. I wonder if you can work with me on this project. The boy continued on without acknowledging the old man. A slight warmth overtook him. It was the first time he had been treated as a human since arriving in the yard. The prisoners, having been stripped of their clothing, hair, and even their name upon entry, were made to feel as inhuman as possible. The boy felt something he had not felt in some time. He felt as though he were himself, if only slightly. The man asked, What is it you are hoping to make of your block of stone? The boy, without taking his eyes off his chisel, said, Nothing. No one cares what my stone looks like. No one cares what I can or cannot create. I am a stone chiseler, sir. Is that so? Well, if I may analyze this a bit, as I want to do for many things, will you bear with me? The boy answered slightly with a small shrug of his shoulder. Well then, let's proceed. I can see that you have a hammer. The boy looked at the hammer. To whom does the hammer belong? The boy thought for a moment and replied, I suppose the yard, sir. Take it. It's yours. Consider it a gift. I have hereby declared the hammer yours. The boy, with a look of confusion on his face, just kept chiseling slowly as a way to hide his now heightened curiosity as a result of what the old man was saying. My boy, do you have a chisel? If so, to whom does this chisel belong? The boy just looked at the man without answering. Take it. It too is yours. This is the most fortunate day for you indeed, young man. I'm feeling most generous. Now, I ask you, if only you had something for which to use this hammer and chisel, would that not be the most miraculous thing? No answer from the boy. Well, as luck would have it, I have arranged for a large piece of stone to be placed right before you, young man. Take it. It too is yours. The boy turned to speak to the man. Wait a minute, my good man. I'm not yet finished with taking inventory of your possessions. The boy was completely vexed at this point. There were no items left for the man to pretend to bestow upon him. The man then said, in a much more serious tone, My young friend, do you have a heart that beats, lungs that breathe, eyes to see, and most important, a mind to think? The boy thought for a moment. He raised his chin slightly. Then at once he lowered it and creased his brow. Sir, I see where you are going with your game. My work is of no significance. People pass here day in and day out. We go without notice. Why should I waste my time trying to create something new out of what was not meant to be anything of value? This hammer, this chisel, this stone are of no consequence. I have no reason whatsoever to pound anything out of this stone. Oh, goodness, my dear boy, that is the very point, the old man said with enthusiasm. You have no reason to do anything with the stone whatsoever. No one has burdened you with duty. The ability to create or not rests solely on you. Therefore, I say, take it. He went on. Let me ask you once more. 
Who does the stone belong to? The boy looked somewhat perplexed. Don't understand, sir. It's just a stone. True, indeed. You've rightly described what it is. But whose is it? Let's say for the moment it belongs to no one. Or better yet, it belongs to the village. It's of no great value to anyone. In fact, if it were not at the end of your chain, it would just be a stone among many other stones. Yet, here it is. It has found its way to your chain. The chain is attached to your leg. Its face is now being stuck by a chisel held by your hand. Although there is no one expecting you to do anything more than rise from one day to the next and beat upon the stone, I'd say you ultimately are the master of this stone and what it should be. In fact, I'd say if someone were to ask me who the stone belonged to, I'd have to reply, you. The boy's chiseling had slowed a bit and lost some of its force. It wasn't because of fatigue, but rather an effort to listen more intently to the man. The boy had unwittingly started to squeeze a wrinkle into his forehead with his eyebrows. The old man continued. I have looked upon this yard now for several days. I see nothing but chiseler after chiseler, making swipe after swipe, and nothing to show for it. Yet, as I look away, I see your stone has something more. Although I can't exactly say what it is, I do see something. Can you explain this to me? The boy started to chisel harder. He raised his chin slightly. His eyebrows pulled the wrinkle taut. He squared his shoulders. The old man looked upon the boy with a sense of curiosity. He knew he had reached the boy in some way, but he wasn't sure how. Young man, can you tell me? What do these patterns mean? What are they? The boy replied, They are nothing, sir. They are nothing at all. Just like this stone. Just like my name. Just like my life. They are nothing. The man looked at the boy with his head slightly cocked. So that's what you've decided, have you? I, the boy retorted. I, you say? No, sir, I have decided nothing. My fate has been chosen for me. I was to be a farmer like my father before me. I was never asked whether I wanted to be chained to a stone. The man held his gaze upon the boy. He felt his heart sink. The boy's pain was palpable. You could tell the boy was raging inside. I know this is going to be hard for you to understand, young man. But you do still have a choice. As long as there is breath in your lungs, you decide who and what you are. Others may try to determine your fate, and indeed they may have the ability to place strong restrictions on what you can and cannot do. But never forget, as a man thinketh, so he is. You, not they, with the old man pointing to the city court, decide who you are. The boy went about his chiseling and just said, Good day, sir. With that, the man walked away. He then stopped, turned around, and approached the boy once more. Instead of his normally jovial chirp, he said to the boy in a hushed and sincere tone, Young man, take this stone for yourself. Make it yours. Become its shaper. Decide at once what it is to become. In the process, it won't be the stone shape that is of utmost importance. It will be the life you chisel inside of yourself. 
that life is still yours to shape, my boy. Remember this. If a man cannot change his circumstances, he must change himself. The boy did not answer. The man then turned and walked away. <laughs>